Let's pray. Lord, um, I pray that those words would be true, that we, you would be our vision, that you'd be what we look to for our hope, that in um, our deepest despair and our greatest joys, that we would look to you uh, to be our hope. Uh, we're thankful for you, thankful that we can gather, that you've created um, people and given them the wisdom and the creativity to create technology that allows us to do this. And I pray you would bless um, these words that you encourage us to move towards you today um, and to move towards each other. Uh, love you. You're good to us. We're thankful for Christ who makes all things possible. Amen. Good morning. Um, uh, thank you, Colin. And thank you, David, for sharing. We're looking forward to this summer um, hearing from a lot of people uh, and how the Psalms have impacted them and um, whether like right currently uh, a Psalm that's really hitting them uh, or, or just a verse that's hitting them from the Psalms. Or uh, I know for some people, they're going to share Psalms that have been meaningful for a long time in their faith. Uh, in their walk with Jesus. So excited for that this this summer. We are in a series uh, in Psalms. Uh, and so for the next 11 weeks here, we're going to be uh, looking at Psalms uh, and what that looks like. Last week, I shared a, a, about a mixtape and how I love mixtapes. Uh, we actually sent out, hopefully, um, if you didn't see that, email me. I have a link. We actually made a mixtape um, uh, digitally, made a mixtape. Uh, and so you can check that out on Apple Music or Spotify um, and of just some stay-at-home jams. Uh, and the, the mixtape, actually, I was thinking about it this week um, as I was driving in my car with tapes. I was thinking how many things, I, feelings I go through and places I'm at during the week. And as I'm reading Psalms, how, how all those are, are really spoken to in Psalms and give words to those in Psalms. So today we're going to look at another Psalm. Uh, Psalm 42 and actually 43, which we'll get to here in a second, um, that, that, uh, that also share, last week I actually shared for, uh, a verse from 42 uh, as something that I go to sometimes when I'm feeling lament, sadness, sorrow, not knowing what to say. Um, and so we're going to look at this Psalm and actually um, it, it has a really helpful structure in how we can be people who uh, do that well. Um, first, I want to share something that happened to me recently. Um, I, I got a text uh, from a friend, uh, and it was just this. You ready for this? It was just this. It's a gif of, of myself dancing like a fool. Um, and then the message under that gif just said, never forget. Um, this is a gif from uh, years ago. We made a video for... Uh, uh, an, an event at Hope called Film Fest, and uh, we made our whole small group dance in front of a green screen. Uh, these goofy dances on the green screen them and stuff um, uh, for the Hope Classic video. And uh, I took the green screens that I made gifts of a bunch of the people in our small group doing their goofiest dance, and I sent it out to all of them, thinking, "Oh, this will be funny. We have these gifts of each other. People will use them later. Like when you're not expecting it, you'll get this gif of yourself." dancing. None of the, all of them have disappeared. I've never seen any gif of anyone else from that group, except this gif right here of me 
with dancing in sweatpants. Like, I don't know what I'm doing there. Um, and I, and I get it often. And then that gift has circulated. And this was sent from a friend who lives in a different state who has no connection to our church or these friends. He got it because someone else sent it to him and he sent it to me. He sent it to me with the never forget because he just wanted me to remember, Hey, uh, we had been talking in a, in a zoom chat with some other, uh, pastors and, uh, and, uh, it, through that, I was saying how God's humbling me. And he thought, oh, this will be funny. This will humble you a little more, right? Never forget that you did this. Not only did you dance like this, but you created a GIF and you sent it out. And now the world has this and, and this GIF is owned, right, by many people. Never forget. But this is what's interesting. I, I thought, oh, come on. But also that GIF brings me, reminds me, I really, I really don't think of that moment. And it reminded me of how sweet that moment was. Like how... How, how fun it was to get together and dance and act like fools and make a video, how, how much laughter came later from watching it together, uh, how much I love those people, how much I uh, miss seeing them, and even just how much I, um, I want, like love just being together. Uh, and I, it, it stirred something in my heart. And it reminds me of something we're going to see play out today in Psalm 42 and 43. Uh, that stopping to never forget, right? To remember, stopping to remember often stirs our heart and changes our affections, how we even feel and act. And it moves us towards something different than what we were in right then. So I got this gift and it, was just goofy, right? Just funny. He's just like, Hey, remember you're an idiot. Um, and never forget and, or never forget. I own this. I have this. Um, and it actually, I went, Oh, and I thought, Oh, I miss those people. That was a lot of fun. And I loved hanging with them. We had so much fun together. And all of a sudden it stirred like this warm love for them. It caused me to actually text some of them. I, I sent the gift to some of them later that day and said, hey, this is, this is funny. Remember this day? And they said, oh, that was such a good time. That remembering did that. And today that is going to be kind of a cornerstone of what we're going to look at is this remembering um, and how that changes the place we're in and moves us to something else. And so we're going to look at Psalm 42 today. Uh, let me get this off the screen, though. That's not going to be real helpful while reading scripture. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, maybe I'll send that out. I think all of you should maybe own that gift. Um, look at Psalm 42. Uh, Psalm 42 has some, some, uh, well-known verses in it. I think that maybe you've heard before, or, um, you've seen on like a wall hanging somewhere, um, at someone's house. Um, this, the little background, uh, if you go, we started yesterday in Psalm one or last week in Psalm one. And then Psalm 1, we, it, the core of that talks about how God is like this stream that we can plant our roots by and we grow to be these strong, healthy, fruit, fruit-bearing fruit trees that prosper, um, these evergreens kind of that, remember I said there was a, as if we're kind of like Christmas trees that, that grow apples. Um, and today we're going to see this similar, one of the most popular themes throughout um, Psalms and in all of scripture is this idea of God being this water that nourishes, um, we're going to see. Um, and this psalm was written, uh, Psalm 42 is written with Psalm 43. And actually, uh, a lot of people believe they're actually one song that was created. They're, they're written uh, for the first time we see in Psalms 
um, that it's not written by David, King David, but this one's actually attributed to the sons of Korah, um, which sounds like a sweet, like Christian metal band. Uh, I actually looked up Sons of Korah hoping that it was a, it, I don't think they're a metal band, but there's like an Australian Christian band called Sons of Korah. The Sons of Korah is attributed to a group of people who were um, eventually, um, if not right away, it became like the, the musicians uh, kind of for God's people. They created music for worship. Um, and they, they wrote this poetry, which was actually put to music, just songs. They wrote these songs. And it was uh, either a family or a group of people that were, uh, they believe were Levites. So they kind of helped run the temple and worship there. And so Sons of Korah wrote a bunch of songs that are in the Psalms. So this really is like a collection, a mixtape of the Sons of Korah. And so this is one of the first ones we get from them. And these Psalms, uh, as we go through it, you'll see they go together. Psalm 42 and 43 go together broken up in a certain way that uh, because I think one of them seems to be a dialogue with a person with themselves and then it switches to a prayer. And so Psalm 43 is a prayer. Um, and so we're going to look at Psalm 42, 43. These are songs, uh, uh, Psalms of lament. So uh, this is a Psalm that would be crying out in someone in despair uh, and saying, Oh God, or in this one we hear first, just like I'm in this place. It's hard. Um, I'm sad. We'll hear the language they use a lot better than that. Um, and then they're going to cry out to God. The psalm set up in a verse and then like a refrain. So we're actually going to see that over here. Oh, let me go over here. This chunk right here is like a verse and then a refrain. A lot like we hear in a song that like the songs we just sang, right? A lot of songs have a verse and a chorus, a verse and a chorus. And the chorus really gets to the heart of what's happening of what is important. The, the chorus or the refrain is often the part we remember from songs um, the most. And so that's how this psalm is is uh, created. And so I, I actually like that the way it's created. It also helps us narrow down what it's trying to um, say here. And so we're going to, uh, sorry, you might hear our dog. Hey, some people are saying hey to Frank. You might hear a dog. He apparently is rolling around laughing or, I don't know, lamenting. Maybe he's lamenting. Um Oh my goodness, the thrill of doing this in my uh, dining room. All right, so let's look up, um, uh, not look up, it'll be on the screen here. Um, and uh, hopefully you can all see this. Okay, um, let's read Psalm 42. We're just going to read the first part here. I'll make some comments as we go through, uh, as, as we look at the Psalm. Um, let me move this down. I hear it's uh, a little bit, a little bit in the live. All right, we're officially ready. Psalm 42, here we go. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I used to go to the house of God, under the protection of the mighty one, with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And so if you see here, this is broken up kind of in a verse and a refrain. We're going to see this refrain two more times. This is partially why we know 42 and 43 are together, because 43 is the same. It's a verse and then the same refrain. Um, first, let's just start here. This psalm uh, is... A psalm where a person starts by saying, as a deer pants for streams of water, as 
a deer looks for water, who is thirsty, parched, dry, is looking for water. That that you can imagine that feeling if you're just someone who gets thirsty, right? Which should be all of us. Um, you think of like playing a sport for a long time. You're in the hot sun all day, and you're running around, and then you think, oh, just cold water tastes so good right now. And so it says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? So the person writing this feels this need to be with God. They, they have to be close to their God. And they remember about what it was like to be in the house of God. So they must, for some reason, feel away, disconnected from God. Or um, some historians actually thought this could have been a period where people actually were on their way to Jerusalem or on their way actually to um, be uh, at a temple. And so this is a cry like, I can't wait to be with you, God. Uh, I I want your living water. Um, I want to be close to you. And so then this refrain, why my soul are you downcast? They're speaking to themselves here still. There still isn't language of like, God, where are you? It's just saying, oh, soul, you are so downcast. Why are you so disturbed within me? This person feels disturbed within them. There's deep despair here. And they say, put their hope, uh, put your hope in God. And so let's keep moving. As it goes on, we hear this similar um Verse and refrain, my soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of the Hermon, from Mount Mazar. Deep calls to deep in you, the roar of your waterfalls. All the waves and breakers have swept over me. You you still hear this language? I feel downcast. I have to remember all this goodness of being in your land, of being on the heights of... Herman and Mount Mazar, these are like holy places, holy where you're in the presence of God, deep calls to deep. And the roar of the waterfall, this uh, deep in my soul, in my heart, calls to you deep in the roar of the waterfalls. This is imagery again of water. We see in scripture often uh, water that's chaotic uh, and moving and rushing around. We hear this in the beginning in Genesis 1. We hear about uh, this water being a, uh, an image of chaos and uh, being away from God and that God's the one who brings order. So they feel this like waves breaking over them, swept up in in water. If you can imagine falling into raging water and feeling swept and thrown around a waterfall over them. What what amazing imagery, right? You feel that uh, on you of how they're feeling. By day, in verse 8 here, by day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer a mortal agony as my foes taught me, saying to me all day long, where is my God? So they they feel this weight. They cry out to God. And and it's interesting here. He says, I say to God, my rock. Can you imagine imagine a rock in the middle of a, a raging river that you could stand on and the rivers were around them and surrounding them. And, and you could stand there for some foundation, at least some rest. Um, as they describe here, the enemies are around them. Their bones suffer mortal agony. What great imagery of how it feels. My bones hurt uh, because of the t- 
the foes who taunt me. And these people, what are they saying to him? They're saying, where is your God? So you're already feeling far from God and you're feeling suffering and you're feeling agony and sadness and sorrow. And then those around you are saying, oh, where's your God now? Where is this God? And to add that, not just add maybe physical feeling, uh, uh, but add this this weight emotionally of, of others even around you. And you say this same refrain, that, that verse ends and you say, why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, my God. So hear this again. This person is saying, my soul is downcast and disturbed. I'm going to put my hope in God, for I will yet praise him. This still isn't a prayer to God. Um, this is a, a person saying, I feel downcast. I must put my hope and God taking this action. And now we're going to move into 43. So you hear the, the two verses and the choruses, the refrains of 42. And now this, this is 43. You'll see why these are connected. It turns to a prayer. Instead of just self-talk, hey, uh, uh, this is how I feel. This is what the people around me are saying. Uh, I can imagine someone sitting by themselves and it's dark and they're saying, I'm downcast. Oh, my soul. You're disturbed. Put my hope in God. Now it turns from this uh, self-talk to a talk to God, right? To, to prayer. Now the person turns and says, vindicate me, my God, and plead my case against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? It turns from remember, he said, God, my rock, which would be something you'd stand on for a firm foundation. Now a stronghold. It's a different word, actually, in the psalm here. Uh, it's not rock. It's not a strong thing to stand on. It's now a fortress. You now, God, I need you to rescue me and surround me and protect me. Why must I go about mourning oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let me uh, Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. This image, remember this from before? He was talking about remembering what it was like to be on those holy mountains. And now he's saying, God, I need you to surround me and lead me with your light and your faithful care to those places, back to those places, to the place where you dwell. I want to be with you, God. Then I will go to the altar of God, altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I love that description if someone were to ask you, how do you describe God? Oh, he's my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre. That's an instrument, like a kind of like a guitar. Oh, God, my God. You hear how this changes? He, he cries out to God, you're the one who can deliver me from this. I'll praise you, oh, God, my God. And then the last, the refrain again, this is the end of 43. That last refrain. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. It almost feels like a song where the first time you hear the refrain, it's still soft and sad. The second time you feel like, okay, maybe God is, is his rock. And then this third time, like all the instruments come in and you hear like the orchestra behind them. And it's it's uh, in a, it changes keys. So it's like uh, it goes up and it's in a major key now. And you hear like, why my soul? Are you downcast? Why is so disturbed with me? This part is no longer emphasized, but the last part is put your hope in God for I will yet praise him. My God, my savior and my God. 
I love um, this, this, uh, these Psalms um, have been, you know, preached for years and years and years and years. Um, but Charles Spurgeon was asked once how he described Psalm 42 and 43. And this is what, this is, he said, this, this is what Psalm 42 and 43 is saying. He says, his God, his God, he cannot live without his God. I, lo- I love it. Well, that was a lot quicker than reading all those verses, right? He says, what is, what's happening in this person, in this psalm? And he says, he's crying out, my God, my God, I cannot live without my God. What a, what a phrase, right? What a phrase to wake up each morning. And when I'm in, uh, when I'm in that place where I feel like water falls on me, I feel like I'm in a swirling, chaotic river, right? And I can just grasp onto a rock. I say, my God, my God, I cannot live without you. I'm going to put my hope in you. And so what happens here is that um, we see a person go through, I, I would say, three kind of three main steps. And I want to encourage us to think about the actual format of this psalm is, I think, directing us this way. But also, um, we've just seen, you know, we see this is how this works, uh, even as we look to the New Testament. We see this. Uh, this first confession that happens as they confess, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm feeling. This is, I'm like a deer who needs water and is looking for my God. They are remembering who God is. They're looking back to when they were with God, when they felt close to God, remembering who God is and what he's done, who they are because of that. And they have this hope and this actual, um, uh, like just decision this action to move towards hope. It, it, I think it probably stirs out of a remembering. It changes our hearts. Like, like uh, it changed my heart towards friends when I remembered how good it was to dance like an idiot with them. Um, but it stirs uh, their hearts towards a hope uh, in God. And actually, I, I think we see this in the New Testament as we see Christ then actually comes, makes a way for us, out of that stream is the living water, um, dies on a cross, rises from the dead, defeating sin and death. Uh, and, and now we can remember that. And so we uh, can look to him. So in Romans 8, we hear this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Just remembering that we, whatever we're in, cannot separate us from Christ. In fact, uh, we sort of were running from Christ, and He came and made sure we weren't separated from Him. And we can then put our hope. He says, "Put my hope in God." And we're on this side of the cross from when the sons of Korah wrote that song, and now that song has this bigger, grander, greater meaning that we can put our hope in Jesus, which we hear in First Peter. This we hear, praise be to God, uh, to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Do you hear this? So we can say, this is where I'm at. We can remember who God is. And remember that we cannot be separated from him. That even though it might feel like we're separated from him, nothing can separate us from him. And we can move, that can move us and stir in us as we remember who Christ is. That in his great mercy, he's given us new birth, new lives in a living hope. 
through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We have a hope that I can say, I'm going to put my hope in Christ. I'm going to move towards my hope in him. It's a living hope. I, I love the phrase in this. It's not just into a hope, but a living hope, meaning our God is alive and well. This hope is leaving and brings us to life, not death. So we can put our hope in things that will bring us to death and maybe our own success, right? Or at least right now in this current state, as I'm um, figuring out what it looks like to live through a pandemic, I'm seeing how much comfort was my hope and I'm putting my hope in being comfortable. And I'm realizing that it actually was a deathly hope. And so I can pull my hope from there and I can realize I need to remember who Jesus is and I can put my hope and Jesus to living hope. And then into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. Similar to what we just heard in Romans, right? This is an inheritance that we've been given, this living hope that cannot fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the, of the salvation that is already to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So here's, we hear this at the end, right? We hear, we have this great hope we can put it in. It's not going anywhere. It can't perish. It can't fade. This faith that is shielded by God's power. You hear the imagery of like, again, being shielded and brought to this hope because of Christ, because of who Jesus is and what he has done. And then we hear in all this, you greatly rejoice. But you know what? Right now we still suffer. We still in our current place lament. We still feel disconnected from God. And so that that place we're in can then we can direct back and remind us of our hope. I, I want to share with you something that's been really helpful for me practically to kind of help us flesh out what this looks like. So the format of this psalm, not just the format of it, but also literally what's happening in it, what's happening this person brings us to these three things that I've been talking about. Um, and they are uh, to confess and to remember and then to put our hope in. And this is what I want to encourage us with here as we um, uh, move towards a time of communion where we're going to remember. I want us to think about this order. And this is an order we see throughout Scripture, uh, all throughout Scripture, as being uh, kind of the mode of how we continue to cycle through putting our hope in God. So if, if I would say if we skip some of these things, then we're just muscling our way into saying, yeah, Jesus is good, Jesus is good, Jesus is good. Um, and we're not actually stirring our hearts, right? This is a thing that uh, can stir our affections and move our hearts actually towards hope. I, I uh, in college, I remember meeting with a guy. I had had some um, people hurt, hurt me, just did some unkind things, said some unkind things. And I, and I was really struggling with it. I met with a guy and I said, he said, what's going on? Tell me, tell me how you're feeling. And I said, uh, well, I'm, feeling kind of guilty. And he said, to explain to me why you're guilty. I said, I've, I've been getting really angry that these people did these unkind things to me. And I know Jesus would be really angry right now. I just got to, I just got to love Jesus. I'm just going to love Jesus. I, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. And he said, hold up. It's okay. that you're, You should be a little angry. You should be upset. These people are doing things they were not created to do. These are unjust, unkind things. Stop. So I was feeling like angry because I was worried that God was going to be 
upset with me that I was angry about unjust things. There's all these things mixed together. And I was like, I don't need to talk about it. I'm fine. I'm just going to put my hope in Jesus. And, and it didn't, I wasn't really stirred to that. So I want to encourage you in, in, in these steps that I think this has been helpful for me. First, it's something that we can do is confess. We see in this Psalm, this person shares what's actually going on, how they actually feel. I, and for them, they shared it in a, in a very specific way in writing a song. So this is where we would say, where are you right now? And how can you share that with other people, with God, with others, this person, even just with yourself? How do you stop and say, I am really angry. I am really sad, disappointed. I am really uncomfortable and it makes me feel unsafe. How do you say, I feel really distant from God right now? Just an honest confession. That word confess, right, could could scare you off. The word confess, sometimes we connect to like, that's a crime, right? We're confessing to a crime. Or maybe uh, in your history, you have had, uh, you know, the opportunity to go into a church and actually confess to a, to a uh, you know, to a clergy. Uh, maybe you sit actually in a confessional. So you hear confess and you hear a pastor say that, uh, you know, on the live stream of a church and you think like, he wants me to come. We're not allowed to be in, you know, I'm not going to come to your house and sit in your garage and confess to you. But I'm saying I'm using the word confess intentionally here because I want to be this honest, sharing, bearing of your soul. Where is your soul right now? Is it downcast? Say it's downcast. And who do you need to say that to? Is it is it writing, journaling, maybe just writing, a, drawing a picture? Is it going for a walk and talking to yourself? Uh, is it listening to something that helps give you the words? I really encourage you, who is that person? Who are those people that can do that? This is, for me, where one of the reasons why we have things like small groups at our church so that people have a place weekly. You can sit down with people and say, this is where I'm at. I'm getting really angry about this. I, I got to get this out. I got to first start with where are, where am I actually? Um, and that's a thing to go to with God. God can handle your anger. He can handle handle your words, right? So who are those people who can listen and even yourself? Who can you, in Psalm here, we hear the person actually talking to themselves. Can you even just say it to yourself? Can you write it down with yourself? So first we want to encourage people to confess. I want to encourage you to confess as we see it. And then what happens in Psalm 42? He then remembers. He doesn't just say, I'm downcast. Um, I'm, in a, I'm in a hard place. I, I want to be close to God. Okay, then I'm, it's okay. It's going to be fine. I'll tough it out. It's going to be fine. He stirs his heart by doing what? By remembering, which is what in all of Scripture we see over and over God do. He sets up these festivals for people to remember what he's done. And so we want to remember who is God and what has he done? And then who are we and where have we been? And what has happened for us? And so we get an opportunity to remember that God is faithful and that he loves us and that he's with us and that we're safe in him and that he's created us for great things. And he's created us to be people who make things right and and uh, and bring justice and love into the world around us. So not only remembering who God is in that, but remembering who God says we are in that, right? We start, start this kind of core right in our center that is God, who God is and what he's done. And off that, we build who we are. And off that, we move to what we do with that. But if we start with, it's it can be popular 
it is really popular, right? We see in, in really helpful in, in counseling and therapy um, sessions, you could hear, hey, it's really helpful to, to develop some positive self-talk. So when you're, here, when you're feeling downcast, when you're hearing things that aren't true, or maybe you're telling yourself things aren't true, say good things about yourself. Say, you're going to do this. You're, you're awesome. You're great, right? And we got to be careful there because this source of some of that negative self-talk is the same source then of our positive self-talk, which could continue to only build up a, a different part of our pride, right? A different part of us. All of a sudden we're saying, you're awesome. You're amazing. And, and you don't need anyone. You don't need anything. You don't need God. And so we could we have to be careful there that our remembering comes from the source of truth and the one who's created us. So that's going to be real truth of who we are. And I would say that truth is so much greater than anything I could just will up and come up with in, in myself. Anything that I could just say, Drew, you're so cool. You're so good. Your your beard is so great. Aaron says your beard is, is awesome and you're good, right? That Oh, that feels kind of good, right? It kind of stirs my heart. And then I hear the God that created the universe loves you enough to pursue you when you are an enemy of his and die die so that you wouldn't die and bring life to you and now sits on a throne and calls you his son his family and is going to come and make all things right and has asked you to join in that is going to use you to bring that love to people around you that that stirs my heart in a different way and moves me towards the third thing in a different way than if i just say you're good you, you can do this you're worth this which can, are true things, but they aren't coming out of my the source, right? So we encourage you to confess first. I encourage you to confess first, then to actually remember who God is. And then from there, that could move us, stir us to a hope, right? And a God who we just remembered can do those things and is worth those things. And that we heard, right, is a living hope. This, is a, this has been even more helpful. I, I'm very visual. So this is the way I... Um, often think of this um, if is if like this might be helpful so confessing is where we're at right now right so let's say you're going to confess where am I at where am I really at sometimes this takes like you know a 10 minute walk maybe a half an hour walk maybe an hour long drive mm -hmm. to just for me I'm like a verbal processor maybe you could guess that and so I just need to like talk 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 and all of a sudden I'm like oh I've been digging and I, that's where I'm at. That's what's going on. And so we find out where that confession is. We find out where that spot is, right? Right? Where we're actually at. And then we move towards, because I think what we want to do, right, is we want to move forward right away. Right away, we want to be people who just go, hey, I'm in a bad spot. It's going to be okay. God's okay. We call a friend, right? Hey, I'm in a bad spot. And they're going to say, it's going to be okay. Jesus is good. And you're going to go, oh, good. Okay. That's okay. That doesn't, if it happens, it doesn't really last. Right? So we want to be people who stop and remember, like we see in Psalm 42, stop and remember who God is. Right? So we move first, just hold on a second and remember who God is and who you are in that. So otherwise we're just going to self-talk ourselves to muster up some strength to say, it's going to be okay. 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 Not really believe that. Right? There's not really a heart an affection that is stirred. So we move to we move to remember, right? And then from remember we move to hope. So we kind of have to go 
not backwards, but we have to stop and be okay with saying, let's remember who we are. Let's get a foundation here. Let's get a stronghold built around us before we move to it. And then we do take the action to say, my hope is in God. And you know what? After I remember who God is, sometimes this is literally writing down, journaling, things I know who God, God what are things that are true about God? What are those things that make true about me? Or sitting with a friend and them saying, do you remember who God is and what he's done and, and how much he loves you and what he's created you for, Drew? And even encouraging the things they see in me that God has done in me, that stirs me to a hope. But I still have to say, I'm going to put my hope, as we see in this psalm, I'm putting my hope in God and not in myself, in, in the words I have, in the people around me. Those people are just helpful to remind me of the hope that I have. The, the thing, though, that happens then is that this hope often fades, right? We see this in the psalm. He says all those things in the first verse, and he says, you know what? My heart's downcast, but I put my hope in God. And then the next line we see, he's, he's in the waves. He's got the waterfall, right? So we see this cycle like we'd see in a song, right? Like we see in a psalm. And I think when our hope fades, then we find ourselves moving back to this place, and that's okay. That's what's going to happen. We're in a broken world. There's sin. And so this hope is doesn't stick, stick until our hope one day when our living hope is here and makes all things right. I mean, there'll be a day where this isn't a cycle anymore, but this is a cycle. And so encourage you in that to say, I'm going to confess again. And it's okay to go to your friends the next week and say, it's, I feel it again. I still feel it this week. I feel distant. I, I cannot live without my God. I want to be close. And you feel that same cycle happening over and over again. And it's okay, but let's keep going, right? Let's keep remembering and let's keep moving towards hope. Let's keep confessing and remembering and putting our our hope in the living hope. This is uh, really, uh, I, said it, I said in the beginning as I welcomed you that we're going to talk a little bit about small groups. I want to encourage you um, in that. If you are currently in a small group at Hope um, and you're meeting virtually and you get that time where your leader says, hey, how's everybody doing? And then we all say, hey, good, yes, it's weird. Pandemic's weird. You know, and kids are weird. Um, I be the one, be courageous in that and say, you know what? It's, uh, it's really hard. Uh, I'm, I, I don't know where God is in this. Um, confess those things and have people help you remember that can stir affections in your heart. Have people encourage you to get in the word, right? Where do we know what God's done in his word? And so encourage you to lean into that time, right? And, and if not in a small group, in, in other gospel friends who can say, hey, let's remember who God is, right? Let's, let's get in his word together. And if nothing else, remember to lean, we want to lean into that, into his word and what God has said about us. But I encourage you, if, if you aren't in a, in a small group, you're interested, even if it's just for this pandemic time, this whatever this is, um, encourage you, we can connect you to that. You can email me, Drew, at HopeCC.com or email smallgroups at HopeCC.com and we can find people that you can connect to, that you can hop on a, a call with um, and hopefully in the near future you can get together with um, and you can have those people to confess. We have that uh, as part of our community, not because it's 
because we are really excited to hear about all, all the dirt in your life, right? Mm -hmm. To hear you confess. We're there because we want to help you move towards remembering and hope, uh, as we see in, in, in the Psalm 42 here. So as we wrap up here, I have a few questions that hit me um, that I want to pass on to you as we reflect on this psalm and think through it before we take communion. In a moment, we'll be taking communion. But first, um, I just want to encourage you, do you know Jesus, our living hope? Do you even know the one that you can remember and think about and meditate on and move that will stir your heart and move you to hope? Do you know Jesus? And if, if you don't, uh, today is a great day to bend your knee and say, Jesus, I, I want to worship you. I want to put my hope in you. Um, and we would love to know that. We'd love to pray for you in that. Um, secondly, do you take time to lament, confess, share your sorrow? Do you take time? I love that these um, men that we see in, in Scripture, especially we see David, uh, who's a mighty warrior, a strong leader, this powerful man also takes time to stop and confess. I think we don't always see that, right? We see like you can't be powerful and, and strong and also be someone who confesses. You can't be a, a strong man or a woman, right? Who, who, who can do that and also be soft and confess and, and weak in that, right? But you can. I think it's really important. So do we take time to lament, confess, share your sorrow? Who, who do you do that with? Who can you do that with even this week? And what is your source of your self-talk? You know, here, here's a helpful question. Are you the hope of your world? Do you cry out, my God, my God, I cannot live without you? Or do you find yourself crying, oh, Drew, oh, Drew, I cannot live without you? Right? Or, oh, fill in the blank, fill in the blank, I cannot live without you. Who is who is your hope Uh Where's the source of that, that encouragement to remember? And, and you know what? We all know people who could use someone to listen to them and be a safe place for them to confess and share. And we can be people who help remind them of who God is and where hope lies. When someone says, it's been a really tough week, and, and we can say, tell me. And, they, and you can listen and listen and listen. And they can say, I don't, I don't know what to do. And you can say, do you know? how much God loves you, how much he cares for you. And we can have an opportunity in that to share even in our own lives how that's happened. We, we have a great opportunity here in this to help others.